Hello, everyone, and welcome to another special episode of Comment Section. I'm your host, and I'm here to tell you that this is our best of 2022 movies lists. That's episode. right. A very special episode. Everyone's always clamoring to hear this list, and the number ones will go down in history uh, as movies. It's a very interesting list this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, this is our, also our last episode of the year. Yes. Which is exciting. Happy so, New Year's uh, Eve, everyone, we, and goodbye will, 2022. <laughs> even though we're probably like tired and stuff, we'll still have a party. Yes. I'll uh, have a party Diet time Dr. Pepper with the Kool-Aid. Remember. I spilled some of it. Let's see if Paul, if it's as good as yeah. he hyped it up. Yeah. <clears throat> so off to a good start. I spilled some of it. Still need to put a little um, sugar in Paul, but I said I drink a Kool-Aid. <laughs> yep, yep. So, um, and you know, I <clears throat> we might as well get right into it. Um, yes. Um, I, I guess first of all, thoughts on this year because um, I will say, like, I was a little. Part of me was wondering. <clears throat> around November, early December. In the back of my head I was thinking like, am I going to have anything? Oh, am I me too. do I do I have a list? And I actually do have a list. I have a top 5 my official top 5 best movies of the year list. And I noticed that last year I didn't. I didn't I just said that um Bo Burnham's Inside was my favorite, I guess, kind of movie but not really cuz it's just a comedy special that came out. That was like my number one. If you had to pick one that was my number one, it was that, but I kind of just <laughs> didn't have any list. It was a weird year. Um, this year, I am happy to say I have five movies that I think are absolutely excellent. My top five movies of the year list. Yes. And this year I have eight. So, right. yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll start with, um, uh, with yours then until we get to the big five, which we'll then we'll then we'll do a coin flip. Oh yeah. So oh by yes. the way, before I forget, um yeah. we haven't we're recording this December twentieth and one movie I'm very anticipating hasn't been released yet. But it does come out tomorrow. Oh, that um is very similar to what I I was gonna bring something up because <clears throat> so mine is I don't think it's the same because mine I think comes out on Christmas Eve. Could be wrong, but um, mine is, uh, so I think it was 2018, 2019. I think it was 2019. What year did the last Jedi came out? Cause it was the year 2017. after 2017. Oh, I think I know what you're going to say. 2017. Um, the year after the last Jedi came out. I just know cause it couldn't have come out the same December. Um, Ryan Johnson came out with a different movie called Knives Out. Yes. And uh, it came out after we made the list, because uh, I, I saw it on Christmas Day, I think. Um, and, like, looking back, that movie, I think I remember saying I would have placed it at my number two spot. Uh, and I would have to check again, because I don't remember the year, but it, it could have easily been my number one as well. That's an amazing movie. My could-be easily in this list movie 
but it's just not out yet, uh, is Glass Onion, the sequel to Knives Out, uh, which looks very good. I'm very excited. Um, uh, I'm a little disappointed that, like, the uh, Knives Out was a just full, like, theatrical release, and I think Glass Onion is getting a limited release, but uh, I'm not going to it be It did able get to one earlier. Anymore. Yeah. Because they wouldn't uh, do it if it was day and date. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to... I'm just going to have to see it streaming. Uh, like I said, I think on Christmas Eve Did you want to look it up? Um, I mean, not... Did you want to go see it? Like, when... I think it was last month it came out. Yeah. Uh, very briefly. I, I don't know if it... Uh, Unfortunately, again, I didn't hear that it was playing, but I'm not sure if it did play nearby anyway. You know what is a theater bias you should always check? I've noticed about like some smaller stuff is the one that is that took over the Woodland movie theater. Yeah, it's like uh, is it like Phoenix? Phoenix, or, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I've never, I haven't been there since. It's I haven't been, been there either. I heard they got um, like recliners, kind of like AMC does. <laughs> that's cool. Um, yeah, so does the, the, the newest, um, the one right, like right, right downtown, that movie theater. Um, <clears throat> I think I saw, you know what? Can I just say something real quick? I saw like on social media, someone like about the new Phoenix theater and yeah. I saw someone comment, um, well now you just got switched from Pepsi to Coke. And I was just like, madam. You know, there are many times I tell people to go to hell, but this is the first time <laughs> I genuinely mean it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Do not yeah, switch from no Pepsi to Coke. Luckily, as a Dr. Pepper fan, it's usually always it's on. Everywhere. I don't it's everywhere. It, it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's it's not stuck in a relationship with either one. It can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Even though, isn't mm-hmm. it owned by Seven Up or no? It's uh, Dr. Pepper. It's Dr. Pepper Keurig oh. or something. Keurig Dr. Pepper. It used to be Dr. Pepper Snapple, which is better. Um, but yeah, it it's essentially Dr. Pepper is the title soda in the company name. But uh, anyway, we're not here to talk about soda. We're here to talk about movies. What no. was your movie that you think you're going to like but isn't out yet? Mine is... Now, you talked about <clears throat> Glass Onions. Yeah. Glass onion. <laughs> yeah, singular. Yes. There's only one onion. Yes, there's only one onion. But you know what's also like an onion? Ogres. Oh. And coming out tomorrow, we have the next installment in that universe, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. And I've seen trailers for it. I've loved the trailers so far. And here's the thing. DreamWorks knew they had something special because last month they did an early fan screen. And unlike like actual critics, fans yeah. aren't under embargo. And yeah. the, everyone <laughs> is saying that this movie is great. I believe last time I checked, yeah. I'll check right now, I think it had 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I've heard that oh too. Oh my it's, God. It's kind of crazy. It's 97 now. <laughs> People are loving this movie. It looks great. Um, it's too bad Shrek and Donkey aren't in it, but you do see, uh, I think, uh, the gingerbread man has a cameo Sweet. in it, so Sweet. I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, you know, the Shrek movies, they're just great, and 
I, I'm really looking forward to going back to that universe. The villains, one of the villains is Goldilocks and the Three Bears, so that's yeah. going to be cool <laughs> to see. Just all, wait, is it just, God, I need, never mind, let's, that's, that's awesome. Yes, have you seen any of the trailers for it? The trailers, no. no. I've seen it promoted a lot. Uh, you should look at it. They said the animation, too, was also inspired by Spider-Verse. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. You can kind of see that with some of the fight scenes. That's cool. Um, yeah, that's that's really exciting. I, I um, Yeah, it's not something I would have anticipated, but hearing that it's, like, shockingly good, that that's really exciting. Yes. So, it's been a while. I think the last... They had the Puss in Boots movie that came out in 2011, and then Shrek 4 was 2010. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. So, I guess we can kick this off with a little negativity. Why not? Why not? It's the right, new year. Yeah. Well, it's not. It's the end of the year. You're looking back at all your regrets of the year, thinking, my God, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I only have... <clears throat> This is just a list of one, and it's not even a terrible movie. It's just a movie that wasn't good. Yeah. I mentioned it earlier. It's a Christmas Story Christmas. It's a movie that, I mean, look, first one's a classic. Obviously, can't go in expecting it to be as good as that, because it's just too much. It won't live up to that potential. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the movie just doesn't work a lot. Like I said earlier, what makes Christmas Story great is that a lot of the moments you feel could have happened, whether it's sticking your tongue to the ice thing, to the um, the the pole, whether it's um, what else? Whether it's seeing the weird the the Santa who was kind of a jerk, or um, whether it was wanting that toy that your mom said no, you'll shoot your eye out. It just, it all felt real. So much of this just didn't feel real. So much of it was just dumb and just way too out there. And it relied too much on nostalgia. They just repeated so much, so much of the first movie beat for beat. And, and you know, one of the few good things was the storyline with Ralphie dealing with the death of his father. That was really strong. And the way it's tied up is really great but and the it's really a one and done thing like it's one it's weird like an elevator pitch of the movie it sounds really strong but the way it's executed just it doesn't work and it's one of those just like you know a year <clears throat> from now we'll forget about it and that's probably for the yeah. best yeah <clears throat> yeah sounds like something i'm not going to see yes probably and <clears throat> a smart decision that was my philosophy going into a lot of movies. Uh, well, that was my philosophy with movies in general this year because I didn't go to a movie theater once at all. Um, basically, I kind of didn't see any, like, I guess you could call one kind of that uh, that's on my list, but like a like a blockbuster just kind of like major. I, I did not this year go out to see a uh, Marvel movie. I did not go out to see a DC movie, even though I did um, eventually see one streaming, just one streaming that I rather liked. 
Um, I uh, did not. Yeah, just like the 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 popular pop like action movie kind of thing. I refrained from this year, and that was a pretty that kind of stuff was a <clears throat> pretty big pillar of this show for a long time. Uh, and so, you know, I feel invigorated that now I'm in a place where I can come to you all with just, these are like, I chose to see movies I thought I would like, and many of them I did really like or love. And that is my list. I think that there are a lot of movies this year that I probably would hate, but luckily (laughs) I did not see any of those. So I don't have any worst of list. Well, lucky you. Yeah. So I guess we can start because I have eight. You have six, right? Um, uh, I have a kind of an honorable mention that we could call six. So, oh, okay. Um, but I'm starting to wonder if it's wrong. I'll look that up. Uh, we'll start with your number eight. All right. And we'll, so we'll soon work our way to our top five. Yes. So my number eight is a movie I was on the fence about. And I was like, all right, reviews are going to decide if I go to see it. And reviews were not very great. Pretty bad, actually. But then over time, I was like, you know what? I don't care about the main character, but I care about some of the other characters who appear in it. So... I guess I'll go. I I mean, this is really it for superhero movies this year. There weren't that many, so I guess I'll go. So my number eight is Black Adam. So starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So, and I also had to say, an asterisk, it's a spinoff of the one superhero I don't like, Shazam. So, went to see Black Adam, and I will say this. It's not a perfect movie. It's not even a great movie. But you know, it has its moments. But I will say this. They never should have made a Black Adam movie. Why? Mm -hmm. This movie exists because it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson playing him. They never should have made a Black Adam movie. They should have just made a Justice Society movie. And that is where this movie really shines. Because Black Adam... He's really just this constantly angry one-dimensional character who makes mistakes Uh and kind of acts like an idiot sometimes. And you're just like, why are we making a movie about him? But then you have the Justice Society featuring Dr. Fate, Hawkman, Cyclone, Atom Smasher. That's where this movie really works. And those are the moments that held my interest the most. Uh, Hawkman, I'm a big, I really like Hawkman. I believe I said a few years ago, who was a, like a more obscure character you'd want to see in a movie? And I said Dr. Fate. And we finally got there, hmm. played by Pierce Brosnan. So that was cool. And there's some nice action in it. Um, Obviously, anytime you see Black Adam fly, that's really cool. But really, Black Adam's one of the worst parts of the movie. <laughs> so, but, um... Justice Society, anytime they were there, it was awesome. And I'll, I'll, we'll bring up the post credit scene just because it was the big thing people were talking about. You know, having a Superman post credit scene is a nice idea. I'm not a fan of the way Henry Cavill plays the character. 
Um, it's been four mm-hmm. times I haven't liked him. So that kind of, you know, hurt it a bit. But, well, all right, it's, it's a nice idea. But overall, Black Adam, not a great movie. Not one of the best DC EU movies. But overall, something to watch. You know, when you're going through all of them between, like, I don't know, between The Flash and what came out before then. I don't know. We'll throw the Batman in there, too. Why not? Between, like, the Batman and the Flash. Just pop it on. Just something It's enjoyable for what it is. It doesn't have to be great because there's so many superhero movies. It's like, you know what? I enjoy this when I get to see the Justice Society. So, my number eight movie is Black Adam. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Yeah, I passed on this. Yes. I can't recommend other people go see it (laughs) because unless you're you're a fan of the Justice Society, I don't know if you'd care. And you really have to kind of walk in being like, it's just a, you got to kind of suffer through Black Adam to get Justice (laughs) Society. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, again, I don't have an eight. So, number seven. Number seven is the highest grossing movie of the year. And it's not one that I would genuinely... It's not one I would genuinely generally check out, but it's one I kind of just went along to go see. It's Top Gun Maverick. Ah, uh, yeah, yes. yeah. So, look, I'm not... It's not my favorite type of movie, but, mm-hmm. you know, for what it was, it was pretty good. It was about this dude kind of like everyone saying he's past his prime and trying to kind of mentor the next generation. Mm-hmm. And look, if you've seen any war movie or any sports movie, it's so full of those cliches. It is. It's, yeah. If you've seen anyone, like, they're all there. And there's a lot of Star Wars in there, too. But, you know, for what it was, it was enjoyable. For It It was better than what I thought it would be. Because it, it's not my type of movie, generally. Yeah. But overall, it was very good. Tom Cruise, very good. Um, special effects, even, like, they did a lot of practical effects, too, with the planes. That was very good. But the highlight of the movie, and I, I haven't seen the first one. Um, mm-hmm. But it was, I assumed it would be like The Force Awakens or Godfather 3, where because so much time has passed, like, if there's something you kind of need to know, they'll, you'll, they'll catch you up on it, but it'll be yeah. more standalone. It won't yeah. be like the MCU, where the last one just came out a few months a, a few months ago. Yeah. So there's that, but the scene in the movie is one, one of the highlights of the year is when Maverick, Tom Cruise, goes to visit Iceman, played by Val Kilmer. Now, again, I haven't seen the first one, so I don't have any nostalgia for this franchise. But Val Kilmer is one of my Batman. Like, he is, like, right under Michael Keaton as my second favorite Batman. Like, Mm -hmm. to me... Because he is playing Michael Keaton's Batman, Val Kilmer's Batman, all of them. That's my Batman. That's my live-action Batman. So, obviously, he's had his health troubles over the past few years where he struggles to speak. But seeing him there was great, and it was just... You could tell that was the moment where, like, in the theater, everyone was the most silent. 
and everyone was like tuned in and that's that is the moment of the movie and I don't know if Val Kilmer will get a lot of I don't know what his his plans are now for like if he can do a lot of movie roles anymore but this was a really great tribute to a great actor who has kind of been dealt a bad hand lately so mm-hmm. It was yeah. great to see Val Kilmer once again. And uh, so, yeah, number seven, Top Gun Maverick. All right, yeah. For me, <clears throat> again, not my kind of movie, so I didn't see it. Oh, yes. I, I At the time, I was like, wow, people seem to really not be able to shut up about this. <laughs> okay, not my kind people of movie, just so like, I'll pass. Have you seen Top Gun? Just leave me alone. I don't care about the stupid plane. <laughs> I wouldn't say it like that. Um, but yeah. Haven't seen it. So all right. Um that would lead us to your number six. Yes, my I'll number just say six. my little honorable mention when I say my number five. So you can just say your number six. Okay. So my number six, what is oh my number six is a movie that's caused a bit of controversy among a certain fandom. And it definitely has its issues. It's not a perfect movie. But, you know, it is what it is, and it has more pros than it does cons. And that is Marvel... So far, these have not been... Sorry, sorry, so sorry. So far, these have been, like, not incredibly positive. I know. Just pointing that out, but... It's been that kind... go on. It's been that kind of year, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, my number six is... Marvel's Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Directed by Sam Raimi, who was the main reason I wanted to go see it. And it it's really kind of a tale of two movies, you know? It's sometimes you're like, all right, this is awesome Sam Raimi-ness. And then sometimes there's the Marvel stuff that just, it just doesn't work anymore. And... Yeah. I I I really question the the decision by Kevin Feige to have Michael Waldron write Secret Wars because his stuff, Loki and Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange 2 are the things I've seen most people say that they're done with the MCU after. Oh. So I I really wish they'd gotten a better screenwriter. Maybe he's great in other stuff. I've only seen those, but... I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not doing a Marvel <clears throat> ranking, but um, I would say of Phase 4, Loki is easily the worst thing Marvel's done in Phase 4. Gotcha. So, I, I wish this movie had, honestly, a better writer. I've... This movie is more like Sam Raimi coming on to do a TV show. It's not like his Spider-Man, where it was Sam Raimi's vision. It was yeah. Sam kind of being given something. And But let's talk about the positives, and we'll get into some of the negatives. So, positives. Doctor Strange versus Scarlet Witch. I'll be honest, I kind of question why... They did this Scarlet Witch story in a Doctor Strange movie because even in Infinity War, they've never interacted before, so it doesn't make any sense. Right, yeah. So I, I really don't know why they did that. It really doesn't move Doctor Strange's story at all. Yeah. 
a lot of the MCU, uh, I guess more lately, feels like when a sitcom is like, oh, these two characters haven't interacted before. Let's uh, shoehorn a way to get them to interact. I mean, I don't know why they didn't make this an Avengers movie. Because that would have made more sense. Like, Mm -hmm. you had Hawkeye. You had um, old man Steve Rogers who could have helped. It just... It felt so weird that they had be a Doctor Strange movie. Now, I have read House of M since watching the movie, and the last issue, there is an interaction between the two, which is House of M is kind of what inspired this in the WandaVision show, but it was just such a weird choice to pair the two together when they've never interacted before. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, again, I was trying to say something positive, but... We'll see. <laughs> um, here we are. The Doctor Strange versus Scarlet Witch stuff is really cool. That's really where the movie shines. That's where it feels very Sam Raimi-like. And Wanda, when she's bad, she is one of the creepiest villains. <laughs> and they, they just, that is where the movie shined. Honestly, for being Doctor Strange movie, Elizabeth Olsen's Scarlet Witch is... She is the highlight of the movie. That is where the movie really sings. And and what Sam Raimi brought to it was just... He brought more of what I want in a Marvel movie when he could. Um, mm-hmm. In the scenes between him and Scarlet Witch. So that's where the movie really shines. And again, it's been a, it's been since May since I've watched it. I have the Blu-ray I've been meaning to get to. I haven't gotten to rewatch it yet. But mm-hmm. some of the stuff, like um, some of like the multiverse stuff, just doesn't really work. And I don't know why they forced it in this movie because you could have done this movie without any multiverse stuff. It just feels kind of forced in there. And the Illuminati. We saw in the trailer the return of Patrick Stewart as Charles Xavier. And we also know John Krasinski played Reed Richards in the movie. Fan casting uh, fans were so hopeful for. There's no reason for them to be in this movie. It makes no narrative sense. They are thrown in there just to be thrown in there. And Mm -hmm. I'm... I'll be honest. You know, people were so excited about getting Fantastic Four and X-Men into the MCU. And, you know, we all thought it would be like Spider-Man when he entered the MCU in Civil War. Like, wasn't that awesome? Like, his he actually serves a purpose in there. Yeah. It honestly felt like they were just last minute thrown in there. And I'm very disappointed in Marvel of... We kept on hearing, oh, we'll get to X-Men and Fantastic Four when we get to them. You know, we're not going to disrupt the plan. They just threw them in there for no reason. You take them out, it it literally has no impact on the story. Mm -hmm. And they are kind of just there just to be thrown under the bus for Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Because Patrick Stewart isn't going to be the MCU's um, Xavier. John Krasinski probably is not going to be the MCU's um, Reed Richards. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, 
why did you do that? Why, as a viewer, did you waste my time with that? Like, <laughs> I won't lie. Xavier and Reed Richards are the best characters, best comic book characters they had in the movie because, you know, I'm more of a Fantastic Four and X-Men fan than I am a um, Doctor Strange fan. Yeah. But there was no reason for them to be there. It just felt so forced, and <laughs> I just... I don't know. I walked out disappointed of this movie, which is why it's number six. Yeah, I was going to say, your number six favorite movie (laughs) of the year. I've been very... I'll look back on this and be like, man, I was really grumpy this year or something, but... Yeah. I'll say, my my entire top five, I I will basically have nothing but positive things to say. Okay, that's good. But, um, I just, you know, after Spider-Man No Way... By the way, this movie makes me not want Tobey Maguire, Hugh Jackman, or Andrew Garfield in Secret Wars. Especially with Michael Waldron writing it. Because it just... They served no purpose. It was very much like Crisis on Infinite Earths. Where they were just yeah. thrown in there for no narrative purpose. And... No, after Spider-Man No Way Home, I was like, is there some life in the MCU? And it felt like <laughs> if you had a tangible bag of quality... They dumped it all in Spider-Man No Way Home and had some leftover for Doctor Strange, but they kind of ran out. And I was really hoping, like, all right, we had Spider-Man No Way Home. We have Doctor Strange 2, which is going to have an X-Men character. Well, two if you count Scarlet Witch. And I just was just after it, I was just like, before I was like, all right, maybe I'll go see Thor. Maybe, who knows? Yeah, And afterwards, I was like, you know, I'm done. I'm done again. I just, I've lost faith. This thing needs to be rebooted. The MCU needs to end. As much as I love Kevin Feige, he and Marvel need to go their separate ways. Because it's just, it's not working anymore. Um, Again, if I were to rank the Phase 4 of the MCU, this is the third best thing. So that says something about the MCU. (laughs) But... It just, it was, you know, for the moments that are good, that are very Raimi-like, it works, but it it's it's a mixed bag in the end, so. Yeah. Well, My number know, six, I'm, best movie of the yeah, year. Best movie of the year. Doctor I'm Strange you know, and the Multiverse yeah. of Madness. Yeah, I'm starting to think they're they're not listening to us over there. But, uh, so, before we get into our top five, which is all positive... You don't, whatever. Um, <laughs> I wish I could say the rest of mine's all yeah, positive, but it's not no. going to. Yeah. Um, it's been that type I, of year. I have a feeling. Um, it's time to bring out Old Faithful again, I think, because I would really like to go for Tails again and oh, see yes. if I can win this time. We have our lucky if penny. <laughs> Paul gave us our first day here. So. Oh, yeah. Yep. He's tried to take it back a couple times, but to no success. Yes, I need to remember what Paul's favorite... I need to check, go through the list of what Paul's favorite movie was so we make sure not to forget to mention it. Yeah, yeah, remember to mention that at the end of the episode. Right, and as always, you are always... I'm always Tails. If it's Tails, I will go first. There it is. Precious Lincoln Memorial. Yes. Okay. 
All right, that makes that makes the order make a lot more sense. Anyway, uh, we're going back and forth now. Um, we're in our top five, the big top five. But I, I do want to give an honorable mention first, and the reason why this is an honorable mention and not number six is this movie. Um, it's I I feel weird calling it a movie. This was a piece <laughs> of media I loved. Uh, I only remembered it when I was looking earlier today um, on my Letterboxd, whereas sometimes that's the only reason I remember that I saw something, uh, is logging things on Letterboxd. And I rated this five stars. And I think I stand by that, because it's pretty perfect. But for some reason... I was thinking like, oh, it's a it's it's a mini series. It's a three episode mini series. So does it go on the television one? And then I was thinking, no, I think it's all in one on Netflix in one block in an like an hour and a half, but in three distinct separate parts. <laughs> it's an anthology, and I think that that's the case. I can't even remember, but I think it's. It's not in separate episodes you click on. It's one f- thing it's like that the has Snyder three distinct parts. parts. But each part is totally distinct. It's oh, not yeah. even the same story. Um, it's a stop-motion animated uh, thing called The House on Netflix. It's like these anthropomorphic animals, stop motion. It's very creepy. The The first part, I think, was my favorite. It was the creepiest. Oh, that one didn't have stop motion animals. It was people. But the way that the people were uh, designed was really creepy looking, like uncanny. And um, I think the other two parts are both anthropomorphic animals. Um, <coughs> I think that's redundant, anim- anthropomorphic animals. But... It was. It's basically. It feels like three distinct episodes of a three-part series. That the themes of them are all tied together, but each is distinct. So even though I thought that this could be worthy near the top of either list, if not at the top, it's so weird to me, and it feels just like this amazing piece of art that I want to shout out rather than. <laughs> put firmly somewhere on the list because it almost feels strange to put it on my best movies of the year list so the house uh it's really good and speaking of stop motion my number five is a stop motion film as uh my my actual number five um i saw it uh it came out in october i think and um uh it's really Excellent is a stop motion fil- film called Wendell and Wild. Oh yes, which I've Wendell heard of and this. Wild are played by uh, uh, Key and Peele, and uh, they play uh, demons from hell. And uh, can they... I say something real quick? Yeah, I thought I heard Jordan Peele say he was going to retire from acting, but I'm glad this movie shows it's not the case. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I never heard that. I wonder that. Like, I mean, I thought I be heard that. I, I, I heard that after Get Out, yeah. like using, or maybe you say using Get Up comedy, or I don't know. But I don't I know. Thought, this is comedy. Yeah, um, but I'm just glad it's the, just like he's not yeah. just going to. I mean, it's great that he's directing, but it's nice to mm-hmm. see him kind of still do other stuff as well. Yeah, 
Yeah. No, that I, I think this is a great spot for him to be in because he makes incredible movies. Uh, he's an incredibly visionary horror director. It, truly, like, it's amazing that that was in him uh, all these years. Um, he's also great at comedy, and he plays a great role in Wendell and Wilde. Interestingly... The bizarre thing, Wendell and Wilde are not the main characters and not that big of a part of it, even. It's called Wendell what? and Wilde. <laughs> but I almost feel like, I, I was thinking during it, like, wow, they're in it so little, and it almost felt like the only way I could describe it was, like, in The Legend of Zelda, the main character is Link. But I think part of the reason it's called Zelda is because some of the core heart of the story is about Princess Zelda, and, like, that's kind of the goal and what it's about, really, at its heart. Link is a Link is a placement for the character, for, for the player. It's a weird comparison, but... Uh, you I, know, one thing but, I felt was similar to that was... I watched for the first time recently the live-action Beetlejuice movie. Yeah. For a movie called Beetlejuice. He's yeah, not very right. much the main... He's very much not the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because the main character of Wendell and Wild is, I'm blanking on the name, Kat. Um, and she is really the main character of the story, and despite what I just said, I guess the heart of the story, um, it's really about her kind of coming of age, and I think Wendell and Wild kind of represent figures coming into her life that help her like find the next chapter because they come from hell and they're like, we are your demons. Now we are, we're, we're assigned to you essentially. Like they went and found her, but, um, they're kind of the comedic relief of the movie. Um, they're like the Mushu or something. Yeah. So they're in it, but they're just sidekicks to the main characters of the story, which is cat and her friend. Um, this was a really heartfelt, interesting movie it was also like i said at the end of it like this is like the animated movie that like parents are terrified of their kids seeing (laughs) because it's for kids but it's like it's about demons and like one of the lessons of the story is like this very rebellious godless age appropriate for kids um like the pixar movies aren't necessarily for kids yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, I'd, I'd say, like, yeah, it's like Pixar. Like, I would put it in that same category, yes. It's not for kids, but it's still, it is, like, I think they're telling a story that they think would be impactful for kids still, so. Um, but a lot of people still, obviously, like me, get a lot out of it anyway. Um, it's also good for adults. Um, but, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of uh, inappropriateness in it naughty stuff oh yeah it's naughty (laughs) it's actually kind of a naughty movie Um, don't whenever you go if you go to church that's when the nuns will get the rule around and say how dare you watch those naughty films yeah um yeah it was like designed it's like this movie was designed to make those people uncomfortable and i love it um but yeah it's excellent stop motion oh i don't know i didn't even mention it's henry selick the Henry Selleck. From Nightmare the, like, Before Christmas. Yes. The, and I think he did Coraline like, too, right? Exactly. He did Nightmare Before Christmas and Coraline, which are, to me, two of the best stop-motion animated films ever. 
Um, and I just he's just kind of the legend of stop motion. He's is that a in... movie you rewatch at Christmas or Halloween, or does it not come up in your mind? I think in my life I have watched Nightmare Before Nightmare Before Christmas. You're yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I think I've watched it more around Halloween. Yeah, me too. But but in my heart, I because I don't like a lot of Christmas movies. I'm like I should watch that in around Christmas more often. Or if you want um, Happy Compromise, perfect Thanksgiving movie. That's true. <laughs> uh, there is a door on one of the trees that's Thanksgiving. That's so, right. Hypothetically, I got it on Blu-ray um, for the first time last year. I've been watching it a lot. Yeah, I yeah, I love that movie. Henry Selk is great, and this is no exception. This is an incredible movie. Um, I really think it's heartwarming and exciting way more than it is like funny and that uh, it's um it, it, it's 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 really great i i love the characters and the art direction and everything of it and it's another movie that's where i'm like hey this is why i love stop motion there's so much care put into stop motion films usually and it just really shows in stuff like this that like you have to make the story meaningful and impactful and good and tell it as efficiently as possible because like you're putting so much time in it and like uh, if you drag it out you that's another year of work yeah <laughs> if you're if you're adding 20 minutes to it like that it's so uh, yeah i'll i'll talk more about stop motion later but this was my number <clears throat> my number five movie of the year, Wendell and Wild, which is fantastic. Oh yes, it's one I've been wanting to try and get to. I'll get to. It's just been there's been a lot of stuff going on, mm-hmm. but I will try to get to it. Yeah. All right. So I guess I'm on to my number five right now. Yep. And my number five. <laughs> try to keep positive, guys. My number five is why I would say this is the most disappointing movie of the year. that's that's a funny statement (laughs) yes and my number five movie of the year the most number five favorite movie of the whole year my number five most loved movie of the year is the most disappointing movie of the year yes now remember guys disappointing doesn't necessarily mean bad but yeah um let's not bury the lead number five this year is the batman so, um, I did, I wasn't sure if it would be on it. I wasn't sure if it would be on it. Oh so, yeah. yeah, well, I'm, when I, I'm when glad I decided to, see to put Black Adam on it, I had to make sure to put the Batman on there. <laughs> I'm well. I would. I yeah. I would be upset if you told me that you went and saw the Black Adam and you, or the the Bla- Black Adam more than the Batman. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wouldn't it be awkward if after all I said about Doctor Strange, you're like, you said all that, but you couldn't find a spot for Batman? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So look. I'll be honest, I had such sky-high expectations for this movie. The trailers made it look like it was going to be one of the best. Like, up there with Burton's Batman The Dark Knight. And in the end, it's just fine. It's not great. It's not terrible. It's, you know, it's another... It's simply just another chapter in the Batman film franchise. And... Or film series, franchise, whatever. But, you know, even then, I would say it wasn't even... I don't even think what we what the movie ended up was what it was marketed as. 
they marked it, they marketed it as Batman versus Riddler, which it really isn't. It's Batman and Catwoman versus Falcone. That's yeah. really what the movie is. I mean, Riddler mm-hmm. is so insignificant in the movie. You take him out, he he's really only there just to set up the final action scene. So, but he does a heck of a job. Oh, he does. At setting up the final action scene. Yeah, so um obviously this is one of the most I'll, I'll say my positives you know what no i'll go, i'll reverse it we'll end on some positivity <laughs> that's always good yeah so like i said the movie definitely has some pacing issues there was no reason for this to be over almost three hours long although i will say the more you rewatch it the more you kind of get what it is the pacing issues get better the more you watch it, the better the pacing issues get. Which, by the way, mm-hmm. I've seen it three times now, and there's still one jump scare scene that scares the crap out of me every time. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Is it the beginning? No, or... it's the or... one where they're at the old orphanage, and there's just some dude there. Oh, yeah. 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 It scares the crap okay. out of me. <laughs> no, yeah. I know what to expect. You know how I know what to expect? Because they spent so much time showing us Riddler was stalking the mayor. Yeah, that's true. Ave that's Marie, true. guys. Ave Marie. But mm-hmm. it's pacing issues, it's way overstuffed. It is. It suffers kind of Iron Man 2, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 syndrome of there were, there's way too much crammed in there. I really think Matt should have just focused on Batman and Catwoman versus Selina, and I think that would have made it a stronger story versus you have... Riddler and that sprinkled throughout. Then you focus on the whole Wayne, Thomas Wayne thing. Was he corrupt and all that and all that. It just, it was way too much. Basically, Batman goes through kind of a lot in this one week. And that's kind of what it felt like. And um, Yeah, Batman's bad week. Batman's bad week. And <clears throat> like we said, like I said, even on this show, we've seen when we go to the comments section, I think this really was where the, that having that was useful where the Riddler's a very divisive character in this movie for me he just yeah. didn't work I think you cut him it it has no impact on the movie no way it does have an impact it makes the movie flow better but <laughs> he was just kind of wasteful and at times just cringeworthy bad like are, like it just didn't feel like for a dark serious movie you're just like is this supposed to be funny, or was this just lame? Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I felt like uh, that um, a lot of times villains are made to be cool badasses, and a lot of times, like, your, like, like edgy teenage, like, school shooter type will think, like, oh, those those villains are so cool, and they think they're like that. Oh, yeah. But really, a lot of people are more like this cringeworthy, like, pasty dude. Yeah. Like that that's what I like about this Riddler is that he feels very like awkwardly real in a way that it's like, ooh, that's a little too real. It's, you're and really I, for me, and... I'm almost just like, there's no way this is way it almost feels like it's going way too cartoony in a way or something. But yeah. again, this just shows how divisive this version of Riddler is. For sure. And I also have to say, you know, it was promoted as a detective story. This is a crappy detective story. I will just say um, Batman and Gort, Billy, no one ever solves anything in this movie. This isn't like Mask of the Phantasm or Under the Red Hood, 
where Batman solves the mystery. It kind of just happens, and everyone's kind of an idiot in this movie. Like, even the scene where they go after Penguin, where Gordon and him are... Gordon, Batman, are interrogating Penguin, and they're just like, see, Pigeon, even though... Or something like that. And Penguin, who's the smartest one in the movie, is just like, flying rat! You know what that sounds like to me? A freaking bat! I'm just like, yeah, really, Batman? This is year two you're doing this, and you couldn't <laughs> thought of that? And, yeah. by the way... Gordon and Batman need to stop whispering so much because it's very hard to hear <laughs> what they're saying. By the way, speaking of which, have you've seen it on streaming, right? Yeah. Well, like the Blu-ray is one of the worst sounding Blu-rays I've ever heard. I can barely hear what they're saying. I almost Weird, think I might just stick with the DVD because it's just the it sounds awful. Like I can barely hear <laughs> what they're saying. That's interesting. It's so different. I might try. I might watch the iTunes version to see if the sound is as bad. But it it was all the sound in there is horrible on the Blu-ray. Hmm. And and Riddler is also an idiot too, right? The whole plan. We're gonna work together, and then he goes, "No, no, this isn't how this was supposed to go." Ah, just like, yeah. okay, that's that's something. But um. And I, I, I got to say this. I had to be honest, okay? And some people get upset, but I had to be honest. I've seen it three times, okay? And I will say each time it's gotten progressively better. But there's one thing that has kind of gotten worse each viewing, and that's Robert Pattinson's performance. I, there are some times where he's very good. There are sometimes he sounds like Christian Bale. And that's like, no, we can't do that. We cannot go back to that. We have <laughs> to leave that in the past. Yeah. Especially like when it's about to be an action scene or something. Yeah. And you know, I said before in our special, the scene where after he punches Gordon or something, it's really hard to understand what he's saying. But man, where he really struggled. And I, I, I want to explain this because I get what they were going for. I get it. And I appreciate what they're going for. Because like I said, after this, we'll get into some positives about this movie. Because overall, if I had to give it thumbs up or thumbs down, I'd give it moderate thumbs up. But he really struggles playing Batman outside of the suit. Especially, I'll say, the scene in the hospital with Alfred is quite bad. His performance in there. And I really think for the if there is a next one, which I don't know if there will be, uh, because there's a lot of stuff changing at DC. Mm-hmm. I I'm just being honest. I don't know if there will be a second one. Yeah. Um. He really needs to look at the way some other people do it because in that in that hospital scene specifically, he's really just relying on speaking in a gravelly voice slowly. It just. He need. I mean, two examples of the way to do it are he needs to look at the way Ben Affleck did it when he was outside of the suit in Batman vs. Superman. Ben just became the character. He didn't speak to Alfred in a deep voice when he was out of the suit. And again, I 100% appreciate what Robert Pattinson and Matt Reeves were going for 
because it was to show that Batman is the person and Bruce Wayne is the disguise, something that Nolan clearly didn't understand. I, I, I get what they're going for. I get it. I, I appreciate it. That's the thing about this movie. I get what they're going for. And they really shot for the stars, and I really appreciate the attempt. And another one that, even though he's not Batman, another one they could look to is Stephen Amell from Arrow. And he didn't rely on, like, a deep voice when he was out of the suit. He just became the character. And I just felt like Robert Pattinson, when he's Bruce Wayne, when he's not in the suit, still being Batman, it just felt like he relied way too much on a voice. Kind of like how Christian Bale relied on a voice when he was in the suit. And when he's supposed to play Batman it, outside of the suit, he just played as Bruce Wayne. Again, I appreciate what they're going for, but it just didn't work. So, I think Matt has to work on some stuff. I think Robert Pattinson does need to work on some stuff. Because there is some good stuff. When he's in the suit. Again, I Am Vengeance, that was a great... The way he delivers it is pitch perfect. I'd almost say the best performance you got was when he did his narration at the opening. That was perfect, but I'd be lying if I said I think Robert Pattinson was a great Batman. I think now that t- more time is gone, I have more of a mixed feeling, and if there is a second one, I do think there is stuff he really needs to improve on. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about some positives, okay? Because let's, yes, because there is some positives about this movie. Um, By far, the most accurate personality of Batman since the days of the Burton Schumacher movies. It just, it nailed it. You can tell Matt Reeves understands who Batman is and it was just it just, you watch it if you were to read the script or just see on the screen you're like, yeah, that's Batman. Mm -hmm. And obviously they did a great, speaking of Batman, they did a great job with Catwoman and that relationship about how she's kind of the gray in his life where she yeah. could be the perfect one for Batman but yes she's a criminal and so he must hate her so it's very yeah. conflicting feelings so just like oh, I don't know what to do yeah and obviously we have to give it up for um Jeffrey Wright who played Gordon I think is the second best Gordon we've had after Gary Oldman and once again once again I, I don't want to keep saying this because I fear jinxing it, but once again, pitch perfect casting for Alfred. Once again, yeah, yeah, pitch yeah. perfect casting for Alfred. Andy Circus, great job. Now let's talk about like the thing they nailed the most. That was Penguin. The the peng- Penguin in there, Colin Farrell as Penguin was great. And I could tell Matt Reeves had said in interviews that he was influenced by Fredo from The Godfather. And you could tell, yeah. The more I watch it, the more I'm like, yeah, that is Fredo from The Godfather. And honestly, that's probably why he's so awesome in yeah. that movie. And Penguin was great. And one of the things I really hope for, uh, one of the things that I, one of the things that I really liked about the movie is how um, they had it where 
you know, in the Christopher Nolan movies, it felt like the, um, can you just hold on one second? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so one thing that I really appreciate about this movie, because, you know, in the Christopher Nolan movies, it felt like maybe they tried to rely a little bit on it to be, being realistic, where it didn't look as cool, you know? Like, it felt like in Tim Burton's Batman movies, it feels like the comic books come to life. Mm-hmm. In Christopher Nolan's and Zack Snyder's movies, it feels like we're taking Bat, we're plucking Batman, dropping him into the real world. Yeah, this felt like a grounded, more realistic version of the comics. Like, I, I guess to say it, it looks realistic, but it still looks cool. It yeah. still looks cool. It's visually the best Batman we've had since the Burton Schumacher era. Yeah. And I just, it just, it visually, it, it looks amazing. So. Yeah. I think that, yeah, they did, they clearly put more care into like world building and both visually world building and like um, how to portray it and script and like things that are happening on screen world building than other versions have done and i think this will be my one comment for this uh for your saying this because i was thinking like you know he said all those negatives i was thinking recently that like you know i think that this the batman for me as a comic book movie is in a weird way like my avatar like james cameron's avatar (laughs) where a lot of people like again i i've come out as an avatar hater i'm so sorry at everyone but i just i i rolled my eyes at it every time i don't like it um and i did not like the first movie and i will not be seeing the second one that just came out um but people will not shut up about like i've seen i've (laughs) i've seen tweets people i people on I, i go on twitter and people have just I just saw Avatar and it was absolutely breathtaking. I haven't had an experience like that in a movie in my and I'm just like Well, to be like, everyone I, says the 3D in there is the best in a movie it's ever that's ever been. Yeah. And people won't shut up about that. Why do I care? Like I just like I guess it's like okay, you made it look really good and spent a lot of money on the animation for world building that I don't think is interesting well, to or be really fair. that thought out. Everyone's talking about it now because everyone's going to see it now. Yes, and the same exact thing will happen again. I guarantee it. Just like um, it happens for every movie, just like it happened for the Batman, just like it happened for yeah. No Way Home. It will happen for Ant Man, Quantum Mania. Mm-hmm. And but for me, as much as it pains me to say, because I'm kind of doing the same thing, that despite these flaws, that some of them I agree with, like I'm transfixed by the visuals and the world building that they did in this, that like I'm transported to this version of Gotham, which feels like grim dark, but not in like the grimy real way that we see in a lot of like, uh, like Snyder kind of grim dark. 
it feels like a very like ethereal like comic booky otherworldly grim dark and that world building along with the soundtrack and and like you know some of the stuff going on in the background and the way the characters add to that is what makes is one of the things that makes me overlook all of the stuff you just said <laughs> yes because like it's not like what i'm going into it for i guess yes so i'll just wrap this up for saying about this about the batman and look i should mention this earlier in the negatives too but i i just have to say it i see some people a lot of people say you know this is so different from any other superhero movie this is you know we haven't seen stuff like this in a superhero movie now look, I consume more superhero media than the average person. I, I admit that. Yeah, and I just because I see it have I just gotta address it real quick. Honestly, there's nothing in here we haven't seen before in Batman the Animated Series or the Arkham games or Arrow done much better. It's honestly kind of a bunch of stuff we've seen before just done slightly worse. There's nothing in here where I'm just like I've never seen this before. It's no, guys, we've seen it. A lot mm-hmm. of it we've seen in Tim Burton's Batman and The Dark Knight. Any, anyway, maybe there is some stuff, and maybe it's because I've seen so much that I'm not kind of separating in my mind. I'm forgetting about what was just in the theatrical movies. But yeah. there's there's nothing in there where I'm like, wow, I've never seen this before in a Batman movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say this about the Bat. Well, I've overall, I would. I, like I said before, I give it a thumbs up. But I just gotta say, to be to be frank, I'm not really looking forward to the sequel that much. Especially because I think the next one, they gotta work on some of their issues because it could almost be a train wreck if they do what I think they're gonna do, which is adapt No Man's Land. Mm, yeah. And I'm just... I don't like that I'm not excited for the next Batman movie. Like, again, yeah. I I don't know if this I don't know if this is going to get a sequel with everything that's going on with the Warner Brothers. Honestly, I don't think that the sequel will be the next Batman movie because of how long it took Matt Reeves to write it. But it just you know, it's not. I don't get excited saying it, but I'm just like honestly, if you were to tell me that today there's a, a the Batman two based on like No Man's Land, which is one of my favorite comics of all time, which is why I think they're gonna do, or a Green Arrow movie based on the late '80s, early '90s run, which is another one of my favorite comics, I would go see the Green Arrow one just because I'm just. It just kind of left me just like, eh. Like, like honestly, if I watch like a great episode of Batman the Animated Series, it sticks with me for a few days. With the mm-hmm. Batman, once I'm done watching it, it kind of just leaves me. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. again, I would overall say it's fine. It's good. I give it a thumbs up, but. Yeah. No, we, and yeah, that we is my number off. five best yeah. movie of the year. Best, yeah. <laughs> Remember, it's party time. Yes. I mean, that's a great segue into a movie that I love. <laughs> I have, honestly, wait, wait, what is it again? Yeah, I have almost nothing bad to say about it. 
Um, it actually was like one of my best surprises of the year, I guess. It, like, the Batman. Like, uh, no. Oh, your um, next movie you're gonna bring up? Okay. Yeah, I'm ta- I'm going um because, yeah, my five was Wendell and Wild. Yours was the Batman. Now we're on to my number four. Yes, that makes sense. <clears throat> my number four best movie, uh, of the year. Um, actually, it it um, so this is weird. It's a, um, it's, there's a British, um, animation studio that produced this, and so it was released, I believe it is now, currently, I think in theaters in the UK, I think. It's technically in theaters in the US in February of next year. (laughs) Don't you hate that? (laughs) Yeah, but... I did see it. Uh, I went to the UK. I'm just kidding. I uh, I was I, I was able to uh, stream it by doing like a VPN thing, but whatever. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> this was this was in my um, last year's uh, anticipated, and uh, it might have been a new segment too, but it's a name that comes up a lot because. Uh, it is a work of my favorite author of all time, Terry Pratchett. Yes. And I brought up, you know, recently there was a new, a news segment earlier this year or last year of how incredibly disappointing, bad even, the Watch TV series yes. was. The Watch. And um, there's basically, unless you count Good Omens, which if you do, that would be like the best Terry Pratchett adaption, but really that's... Um, a co-written story with Neil Gaiman. Um, Good Omens is great, but uh, if you don't count that, until this, there has never been a good Terry Pratchett adaptation of a book. It's never worked. And largely, people were like, I don't think it can work. I don't think people can do this. It's only good in the books. It never works when it's brought up. And this, The Watch was the most recent like reminder of that. Although I just think they did a really bad job at really caring about the material at all. This movie, which is called The Amazing Maurice. Oh, does, right, right, right. Does yes. care about the source material. And uh, the reason why I say it was one of my biggest surprises, I, I need to get back to that because after everything I just said, it, it might it wouldn't sound like it's a surprise. It's, it's anticipated. But one, because uh, it hasn't worked before and... Uh, like, I was just like, can it work? Two, honestly, as much as I would said, like, last year, like, it's one of my most anticipated things, and I brought up the trailer in one of a, an episode before, just looking at it, it, like, the trailer did nothing for me. It didn't tell me much. It didn't give me an idea that this doesn't feel Terry Pratchett necessarily. And the animation style is, like, just the generic animation style right now. It's like, th- there's... It just like kind of like Hotel Transylvania, or I've even thought in my head before. It's like it's almost like they were like they made a great Terry Pratchett adaptation, but the animation animation is like Little Einsteins. <laughs> like I, 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 the animation does nothing for me. Man, I haven't thought of Little Einstein in a while. <laughs> like it, it really, the animation of the Amazing Maurice. It's like an animation style that kids love, I think, but like, it, it's a bizarre choice. I think it might just be that this animation studio, it might just be that this is what they're good at. 
that this is what they do. They, it, their, their movies look like this. I can't think of another reason because this animation style feels disjointed with the, 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 the tone of the work itself. Like, even though this was Terry Pratchett's attempt at... Terry Pratchett's dead, but when he wrote the book... It was his attempt at like making. It was one of his attempts at making a more ch- children-friendly book because most of it are adult fantasy. This was a more children-friendly book. It's about uh, a talking cat who has all these talking rodents that he strings along with him, and he also is kind of scheming against this human uh, that he's uh, taking with him everywhere. Just um, cat pulling the strings, talking animals thing that was more for kids, more like a chapter book kind of thing. And, um, but it's still very Terry Pratchett and has smart commentary and like kind of high, some highbrow comedy moments with some in more intentionally lowbrow comedy moments. Don't get me wrong, but, um, it's still like a Terry Pratchett book. And, um, even though it was more aimed at kids, the animation style feels more kiddish than I would have done if I were doing an animated Terry Pratchett if I were animating myself. <laughs> um, so the animation style does nothing for me, but so I, I was very like, uh, I, I'm, I'm so excited. I want to just watch it, but I'm so worried because look at it. Um, but the whole time, as soon as people started speaking in it, I was smiling the entire time. It just worked and there was no moment of it where I was the there were moments where I was checking in and I was like this movie looks like this but it's like the Terry Pratchett adaptation I've always wanted it's happening right now it works the it, like it, it 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 like it felt like the I think I've seen some people kind of disagree on this but I, I I'm a more recent fan but I, I do feel like the tone of Terry Pratchett was really in there there's sort of like a kind of dry British common comedy kind of thing to it um, um, that is in this. Um, and um, I even think I saw a Rotten Tomatoes review where someone was just like, I think some of the kids were growing antsy in the theater because uh, <laughs> it was a little bit too, uh, it wasn't quite flashy and like childish enough because it's just like, it feels like they're throwing a Terry Pratchett book on the screen and it is very literary in a lot of ways. Um, so it's great. Um, and I will say not all the animation was like, uh, some of it really was awesome and really worked. Um, well, first of all, I think that the rats and, and the main character, Maurice kind main character, I guess. Um, (laughs) I, I loved the, their style. It worked on screen even better than it, like I didn't quite get the sense in the trailers. It really worked on screen. They were really well designed. Um, the humans were a little too kiddish looking for me. Um, the villain is awesome. Uh, (laughs) and the animation style of it is awesome too. Um, a a little spoiler, I I guess if people don't want to know, skip ahead, but whatever, it's just the, the main villain spoiler for a movie. That's not even in America yet. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, this is pretty crazy. Um, the main villain, essentially not spoiling how it gets this way, but it is essentially a ton of rats in a trench coat. Like the kids, like it's like instead of two kids in a trench coat trope, (laughs) it's a ton of rats in a trench coat that 
are making up like a hive mind. And uh, it it looks like a guy like wearing like a trench coat and a hat and a scarf wrapped around its head. And just the way he moves around is all like awkward and like <laughs> I thought it was really well done. Um, I love the villain so much. Um, but yeah, it was just um, it was as close as I think I would have wanted this movie to end up being like a, a, the Terry Pratchett adaptation that I always wanted that actually worked. Um, so yeah, this was a pleasant surprise in the sense that of all the stuff I just said, and I'm just happy that I like it as much as I think I possibly could have liked it. Oh, yes. Um, so yeah, that's why that is my number four favorite movie number of this year. Four. The amazing Maurice. Oh yes. So, I guess I'll jump into my number four now. Mm-hmm. My number four is a movie I had a feeling would be on a list, but not this one. <laughs> it is a movie that, if we go back a year ago, I'm saying this is going to be awful garbage. Yeah. It's going to be terrible. No way did I ever think it would be my number four movie of 2022. Above the Batman. Above, yeah, exactly. Above <laughs> the Batman. What a year. Yeah, what a year indeed. A topsy-turvy world. But let me just say this. You know, some crime, sometimes some crimes go slipping through the cracks. There's no case too big. There's no case too small. And when you need help, do you know who to call? No. Chippendale Rescue Rangers <laughs> is my number four movie of the year. Nice. I can't believe it. I'm shocked. But yet, the movie is actually really, really good. It It's a movie that, um, first of all, it's one of the funniest movies of the year. And the way... They did a great job of um of like this really interesting kind of mystery type story about what's been going on. It feels like kind of a natural sequel to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. In fact, oh, yeah. Roger Rabbit appears in the movie oh, for a short cameo. Interesting, interesting. And here's the thing. There's like a bunch of like cool fan service and it all serves narrative purpose. Wow. And the way they handled it, it was really cool the way they had like different animation styles like um was it Chip? Yeah, Chip is 2D animation and Dale went through what kind of like plastic surgery to be computer animated. So and Chip's just like, "Why well, you sell out? Went through the surgery." And <laughs> I, I can't believe how good this movie was. Again, it's been a while since <laughs> I've seen it, so I'm trying to dust off some of the cobwebs. But yeah, I can't believe the movie is hilarious. It's heartful. It has some of the best gags of the year. So yeah, not much more. I think if you were if you watched Chippendale Rescue Rangers, you know what? If you were just a fan of like the classic Disney shorts like Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Goofy. It's worth checking out. It is... I I can't believe how good this movie was. And the voice acting was great. 
it just worked in a way I was not expecting at all. So, wow, wow. My number four pick is Chippendale Rescue Rangers, a Disney Plus original. <laughs> at that too. All right. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought? Um, well, certainly <clears throat> not I. Yeah, you clearly didn't. And, um, yeah, that means we're moving on to the big three. Yes, top three. Yeah. Um, I kept switching around my two and three all the last couple of days, but you know what? I think, um, I think I gotta stick with this. Um, because my number three is, um... A uh, movie that um, it has to be. I have to imagine it's your number one because why would a Batman movie not be your number one pick? <laughs> I can. I oh, have no that's idea. right. That's right. Um, it's the Batman, and it's not. Um, <laughs> it was your number five, which is great. Number five. Number five is great. Um, I would give this movie a thumbs up. I would as um, well. Yeah. More moderate, uh, but... <laughs> yeah. I would give this a solid thumbs up. Uh, I love most things about it. Most decisions made with it. But I do think it feels like a Batman movie, for me, that I can totally understand why other people wouldn't be as into it. There's lots of elements like that. that would um, you say this is the least welcoming to like the casual audience of any batman movie i mean i mean obviously a lot of people liked it so but i would say by far you like because I, it's like <laughs> i feel like with the dark knight right you could yeah. have like a family of four and maybe three people like it i could with the batman i could i'd say maybe one or two like i yeah. don't think it's one for everyone yeah um, I don't know. I think a, a lot of people might know though, that it might not be for them. Cause like, again, it's a three hour movie. It's, um, it, it's, yeah, it, it, it's not your average, you know, action packed superhero movie. Um, it obviously is action packed and it is a superhero movie and like, I can't say that that's just because, oh, it's a detective story instead, because, like, you know, like, I think the action plays as big of a role in the plot as the as the detective stuff does. Like, it, the detective story part, it's not a pure, it's not Knives Out. Like, it, it's, uh... It, no, because I hope it, that Daniel Craig actually solves a mystery in Knives Out. Oh, he, yeah, he does. I mean, he's the world's greatest detective. Exactly. Apparently. Uh, in that universe, yes. um, in this universe, it's supposed to be Batman. Um, but, but really, um, it was Penguin. Yeah. Really. <laughs> um, it. I don't even know. Like, I just thought that um, it did so many things that I would want to see in a like to kind of reinvigorate me liking, loving Batman. Uh, from here on because uh, just some things that off like that come to mind like i think that in an example of a thing that this movie does that like i'm glad we have a batman movie like this 
is um, like I think during the Nolan era, people were much more receptive to the cool billionaire side of it, who's like this suave James Bond kind of type guy who uh, uh, is slightly womanizer, like uh, the Bruce Wayne of the Nolan movies. Um, more showing of his wealth and that like, look, he's a billionaire too. And this movie really strips that completely back, removes almost all Bruce Wayne, and you're just seeing this guy kind of really struggling with this alter ego that has kind of taken over his entire personality and that he doesn't care or even want to show that this other part of him exists. He doesn't want to, like, do this billionaire lifestyle that he inherited from his parents. And that's just, like, one specific, like, aspect that I think is really cool that I think about a lot in in this movie. Um, Also, I have to say... You know, I appreciate them doing that for this. They can't do that in the sequels. They cannot. They have to get rid of that. Because someone's going to figure out this dude's Batman. Like, mm-hmm. that is the reason for that disguise as Bruce Wayne. Like, um, mm-hmm. they, I appreciate what they were going for, showing that Batman's the real person. But you can't do that in a sequel. You can't do that. <clears throat> yeah, I by mean, the I get, way, it, it, yeah. Oh, you can say what you were going to say. It, fe- it feels like a, a growing pains thing. Like, I, yeah. I would agree that they can't necessarily do it in another one because it's like, um, it's a year two Batman thing where he's, uh, it's not year one. He's he's sunken into this in year two. It's a sophomore slump for Batman. Yeah. And another thing. Um, maybe this is unfair because of Twilight. But, man, with that haircut... Didn't he look like he was in high school? I mean, there's one scene, <laughs> like the scene where he goes into like um he goes to breakfast and Alfred's with the paper and he walks in with the sunglasses. I'm like, he you looks just like dis- he's in that summer between senior year and first year of college. He, I'm just like, man, with that hair, he looks way too young to be. You're you're, Batman. you're right, you're right, but you've also described one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. I can't get enough of that. I rewatch that scene sometimes. <laughs> it it cracks me up, but simultaneously, it's like the reason why I like like it's ridiculous, but in a way that I love. <laughs> like <laughs> he walking, like he walking up in like a band tee. Uh, he does totally looking like he's in high school uh, with his like weird, like father figure, and he, he's just like it's the sun, <laughs> like. Uh, like I said, it, it it does stuff that I would maybe not have liked a few years ago and just trying to be dark or, like, kind of edgy, like, uh, n- negative energy Batman. But um, I don't know. the the Where I am this year and the way it did it, it just felt like um, it was a more... Um, I guess the ways that it wasn't realistic actually benefited it um because if there are scenes that felt like this awkward place between realistic and not realistic which i think happens a lot in this movie i think that's kind of what comic bookiness is like um teetering on realistic and unrealistic um 
things happen in comic books that can't happen in real life, even just in like the cartoon sense of falling from many, many stories up and not dying, even though you're a mortal person. Like that kind of stuff is just like part of a story like this. And uh, I just think that this movie deals with it in an interesting way. But one of the biggest things is just that like I like I I am someone and many people are not. And I, I think in m- most instances, you're probably not into like slow burn movies that just take their sweet time. <laughs> there are a lot of horror movies I like have pretty like low audience scores because people are just like nothing happens in this. I feel like like one thing happened and it took an hour and a half. Uh um just like the western style of just like seeing a tumbleweed tumble across the screen for 15 (laughs) seconds like that kind of movie making is much more interesting to me than just moving on to the next thing moving on to the next thing moving on to the next thing and that style in this really helped me feel like i was uh in gotham with all the characters for a few hours um and you know it's just a lot of ways to try and explain this indescribable love i have for this movie and that's it i guess oh yes so i guess before we move on um we haven't really talked about this but there's obviously some changes with dc i'm sure you're aware maybe you're not there's obviously some big yeah. changes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that one of the most big recent one. It's probably one of the bits of news that like I fully was chimed into and didn't need to uh, be on this podcast to learn about, um, which is the the thing with um, like uh, James Gunn Superman stuff. Um, yeah, and the cancellation of Wonder Woman three. Yes. Yeah, that too. Yeah. So. Obviously, this came out during the... Well, this was made during the AT&T era before Discovery took over. Uh, I wish Warner Brothers would just be Warner Brothers, but whatever. We're past that point now. Um, Well, it sounds like they may get sold to Universal soon. So change. Oh, yes. Um, (laughs) not, Not great for the industry, but yet better for Warner Brothers than it is now. Um, so, obviously a lot's going on, a lot's been happening. The Batman was a success at 700, over 700 million dollars, got good critic reviews. What do you think is next? Because, obviously, it it is very strongly hinting at that we're gonna reboot the DC Universe, and whatever happens, there's also gonna be... It, there's also going to be another Batman franchise going on at the same time. Yeah. What do you think happens with the Batman? Do you think there will be a sequel to the Batman? Um, I don't know. I've kind of had a mixed feelings about all of this because like, it's this weird thing where I don't necessarily love what they're doing except for wonder woman. So that sucks. But like the decisions, like, I don't think I just don't have a feeling that they're scrapping all this and rebooting for the right reasons or with the right frame of mind going into it. Well, to be uh, fair, let's it's let's just be honest. 
they should have rebooted years ago. And I will say, just having Wonder Woman be a success, because let's be if it wasn't for Wonder Woman, they would have rebooted after Justice League. Yeah. Have even as great as Wonder Woman was, they should have just kept that an isolated franchise and rebooted anyway. Like yeah. the success of Wonder Woman kind of limped along what was an already dead franchise. Yeah. And <clears throat> I guess to answer the question though, I have maybe a shred of hope that the Batman two would still happen simply because it already is distinctly separate. And so they might be like, okay, this is a distinctly separate thing that isn't included in the, in the reboot. Um, and the first one was a success and all. I don't have a f- good feeling one way or the other because of all that went on. But, like, where a lot of things I'm just like, well, that is not happening. This is something where I honestly feel kind of 50-50 on it. Yeah, I would say... um I... I'm like 60... I'm like... 60-40. I'm leaning 60 that it will happen. But I'm also 40, like... I think just with everything going on... And we've heard about how the plan is they want to connect everything. They want to connect movies, TV, video games, animation. Which I think is a total mistake. Because yeah. they want to look at Marvel. But, while well, if you want to look at... Yeah, and the, they're too late for that. Like, they're they're deciding to to rebrand and, re, like, rethink of everything way too late. Like, yeah. they should be thinking of something new to do with it instead of looking at a model that people are already tired of. Yeah, like, if you want to look at the MCU for the DC movies, go ahead. But this whole connecting shows and movies, Marvel has shown the past two years it doesn't work. Everyone's yeah. kind of just, like... Everyone acknowledges MCU has dropped in quality. And connecting video games and animation, even Star Wars had to give up on that because they couldn't do it. They had to mm-hmm. give up because everything was just like contradicting each other and it doesn't work. Yeah. And look, I hope, I think it would be really foolish to go all in on this James Gunn and Peter Safran plan. I really think you gotta, like, it would. Because, to be honest, like, let's call it what it is. The Arrowverse and DC Animation kept it alive while the movies were killing the brand. Mm-hmm. So, it would it would be a horrible, horrible mistake to go all in on this plan. And, to be honest, it, it, I really don't want it to happen because I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm not a James Gunn fan. I don't like... Mm-hmm what he's done in the superhero genre. Uh, I don't like his Suicide Squad movie. I don't like Guardians of the Galaxy. I just... I'm not hopeful for the future, but... I'm 60-40, but... I don't think the next Batman movie will be a sequel to this. I think whatever their plan is, that will be the next Batman movie, and Matt Reeves' movie will come out after that. Especially with how long he took. He took his yeah. sweet time. It was literally, <laughs> yeah. it was five years and one month after he was hired, the movie came out. So mm-hmm. I I really think it's going to be, the next Batman movie will be 
wherever this DCU Batman will be, and then it'll be the Batman. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I I kind of can see that happening. That's kind of where I'm at. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we we certainly can talk about this topic plenty more in the the show to come. Yes, so. we'll be three years probably because they got hired last month and probably we wouldn't see a movie until at probably at earliest 2025 right <clears throat> yes so i guess yeah. as we continue on shall we yeah it's your number three now right yes my number three is an animated movie from dreamworks no sadly not puss in boots because we haven't seen not it out yet, yet. Yeah. It comes out, probably came out today, too, because, you know, they always put them out at 6 the day before, so might be out mm. right now. So, but my number three is The Bad Guys. That's right. So, we have DreamWorks, I gotta be honest, DreamWorks for me lately has been, like, the animation studio, where it just feels like they're just doing some fun stuff. Like, mm-hmm. Disney... Pixar, look, love Disney and Pixar, but it does feel they're getting a little formulaic. Like, they're kind of just recycling the same ideas over and over. Mm-hmm. But it feels like uh, DreamWorks is having fun. And this yeah. was a really fun animated film with some really fun characters. Oh, God, my voice is going. So they had it where... <clears throat> so they had it where there were these animal criminal bad guys who got arrested, and part of their plea bargain is a show that they've reformed. But at the same time, they are going to kind of uh, rob this um, event thing. I don't, it's Guys, it's been a while since I've seen it. But I really enjoyed it. I thought the, all the characters were great. I really liked the animation. Once again, we heard animation inspired by Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I remember when they were talking about Into the Spider-Verse before it came out. They talked about, we're doing some new animation styles. I'm like, yeah, sure you are. Right. But, you know, (laughs) we've seen it's inspired a lot of animation styles. And it's this really fun movie. There's going to be a holiday special coming out next year that I'm really looking forward to. So any animation fan who hasn't seen it should really check out The Bad Guys. Cool. I have not checked it out, but um, I didn't know much about it even. But I'm... Oh, I I had, if it wasn't for like me checking like entertainment news stuff, I would have no idea this movie was existing because th- I never saw any marketing for it. I never yeah. saw any TV spots, nothing. It I did just, know it existed, so I've seen marketing for it, but not everywhere. So. Yeah, but it's worth checking out. <laughs> cool. Um, my number two. We're at the big two now. Yes. Huck would be very excited if this was unwanted answers. Yeah, we're doing Hell number two. Wait. But but this movie is not a poo because it is actually although there are some poo and fart jokes in it, pretty pretty oh, funny. Oh boy. Um, Huck's excited. <laughs> he everything else about this movie was too serious, total disappointment. Hot but he farts. loved, Hell he wait. loved that moment. <laughs> um it is uh, also an animated movie, but a different style of animation, and I just saw it a few days ago. I have a guess um, of what this is. <laughs> yes, I, I, I posted about it, and I, I loved it dearly. It's one I, I, I want to try and get to see soon. Yeah. 
I was I was anticipating it not because of the story that it's based on, but because uh I mean this is something where the trailers and the 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 seeing what it looked like and what it was going for is what drew me in. The property itself I wasn't interested in at all. And also at I all? am yeah, honestly not at all. Uh I, I am all and also I am a fan of and becoming more and more a fan of now Guillermo del Toro. Um and so that means this movie is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which is actually the title of it, which um probably kind of had to be because there was a live action Pinocchio this year. Two Pinocchios in in a year, two. Um uh, but yeah, that one was Disney. This one's not affiliated. It's, it's not. Everyone says Gear- it's really bad. The Disney one. Oh yeah, uh, I, I'm sure it is. It doesn't look. Good. And like I've said before, like I I I think that Pinocchio might be kind of down there for me is in terms of Disney animated How movies. How dare you? I I don't like Pinocchio it. is one of their best movies. It is I, I'll say it is the second best of the original. Disney era. Yeah, I mean, I I could see needing to watch it again. I it's been very long. But I'm I was never into the idea of it until I started thinking about like the more um like you know the way that Disney will take like an older story or a fairy tale or something and take out all the darkest parts of it and um make it a little bit more palatable where like you know the little mermaid is not having her tongue cut out of her mouth <laughs> stuff like that that's how you get the r rated uh, yeah and um so i was like hmm is this going to be like uh, you know the original like 1800 story is that'll be interesting and yes but uh, also Guillermo del Toro has said he does love and he has said in interviews that Pinocchio is one of his favorite Disney movies. And so there is some Disney's Pinocchio inspiration in this. But he was like taking the themes that were important to him in that movie and putting them into this. This is really Guillermo del Toro's vision for telling this story. It's really less of an adaptation and more like him telling it's him adapting it. It's yes, it's an adaptation, but there's a lot of his vision in this. And one of the biggest parts of his vision, which is create like it shows how really weirdly dark this is <laughs> and probably ultimately not something that I I guess kids could enjoy it. I don't know. It's it but uh I don't know. When it we had, were younger, we enjoyed Curse the Cowardly Dog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this isn't overtly that creepy but like you would you'd be shocked maybe to hear now and i was shocked as i was watching it to to find out just how much this movie is about world war ii italian fascism (laughs) it is about the rise of fascism in italy world war ii because i think isn't pinocchio from the 19th century this is they yeah this is from the 1800s but like Guillermo del Toro chose to set Pinocchio oh, okay. in World War II Italy. It is an Italian um, story, I believe. Yeah, by Italian author Carlo Collodi. 
Interesting. Um, so yeah, it is an Italian story, but Guillermo del Toro chose to like take a, I guess a historical look that like, you know, uh, Pinocchio was a, a little, a few decades before this happened, but there was, um, between like, you know, world war one and world war two, the rise of fascism, uh, in, uh, Italy, they did get off a little, a little easy when Germany gets a lot of the, you know, deservedly, that was pretty bad. That was <laughs> that, pretty bad. That wasn't I'd say, cool what they, they did. did. Yeah. Um, that ruling party, uh, famous fascists there in Germany. Um, Also, their best buds, you know, were the fascist party of Italy. And this um, Pinocchio story has a lot to do with fascism in Italy. Um, And, like, because I, I, again, I have to, I have to kind of go back and, and, either read about and remind myself or just watch Pinocchio from Disney again. But it kind of feels like with the whole, like when you lie, your nose gets bigger, you shouldn't lie and you need to be a good boy so that you'll become a real boy that there's a, there's a takeaway in that Pinocchio that like being obedient and being obedient is a, is like a value and being disobedient is bad. And if you're obedient good things will come to you, like becoming a real boy. And I think Guillermo del Toro in this movie kind of kind of flips that and says, look, being obedient and doing everything that everyone else says and um, <clears throat> not, like, refusing to participate in any rebellious thought is kind of what fascism thrives on. They want people who they can shape um, from the point they are very young, like Pinocchio's age, and they shape them to become fascists and to have this idea of masculinity and these certain values that if you don't have those values or certain genes or something, you're not valuable or good, and the people who have that and obey are valuable and good. And so this Pinocchio kind of flips that and kind of kind of says being disobedient is a is a virtue in many cases. And that's just like that opens this story up to be incredibly interesting to me. Um, And of course, it is all the other things I was hoping for and expecting from it, too, which is that it's a much darker less kid-friendly take on it where it really gets into like how deeply sad it is that this man lost like a child and then the response to that was to construct a him doll out of wood <laughs> that's insane and in Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio they fully show he like builds Pinocchio while he is drunk he is in absolute despair. He's literally like on the the freaking sauce while he's building Pinocchio. They don't shy away from that. Um 
and that kind of stuff is amazing. Uh, and the fact that Pinocchio like remains unfinished and isn't this creepy clown of a uh, maybe that's part of it that I was a little scared of what Pinocchio looked like. like <laughs> this this probably objectively more scary looking Pinocchio is less scary to me. Um, Although, is there anything as scary as the 2002 Pinocchio, where it was a 50-year-old dude pretending to be a little boy? Yeah, nothing scarier than that. Nothing at all. It says it was dubbed over from from French. His mouth doesn't match what the dialogue (laughs) is. Wonderful. Um, But, uh, gosh, this movie is, is good. I just... I think this movie made me think more than uh, because I've just been it's been sticking with me for a few days now and I've just been like digging into all that like stuff I just said and the themes of it, Um, which is what makes it such a good telling of this version of the story. But I also I like have to shout out how amazing like the uh, the whole stop motion animation of it was the designs, um, the uh, care care put into every frame, and also all the voice actors did such an amazing job. Um, I absolutely Ewan McGregor as um, uh, Sebastian Cricket was <laughs> unbelievably good and unbelievably entertaining. <laughs> like he's probably the in terms of like voice casting this the the, the star so good. Um, and like Tilda Swinton as like uh, these like forest sprites and and death um was also excellent and everyone was excellent. So, um yeah, my number 2 Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, my love of stop motion. There it is. That's my number 2. Oh yes, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. So, I suppose I shall go on to my number two. Yep. Movie of the year. Guys, we are in the home stretch now. Yeah. Um, My number two. This one, it, it came so close to being number one. It, mm-hmm. it just, it, it barely, it just, it's so close, but it is such a great movie. My number is the, also the completion of a trilogy. My number two movie of the year is Kevin Smith's Clerks 3. So, you know, the first, the second Clerks movie is one of my top three favorite comedies of all time. And this movie was both um, hilarious, heartfelt, heartbreaking, and inspirational. So many emotions wrapped up in this just cocoon of of just an amazing movie. And this was a movie about... Um, it took a lot of inspiration from what happened in uh, Kevin Smith's life, like his heart attack he had a few years ago, mm-hmm. and brought into the characters. Oh, it looks like you're frozen again. Oh, I gotta... Maybe I'll try turning off the camera again. So... Oh, yes, yeah, so you're no longer just looking off into the okay. distance. Sad. Great. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm still thinking about Pinocchio. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's just like, my God, that poor wooden boy in the fascism. Yeah. And this movie, it was, it did a great job of like pulling Easter eggs from the first two movies and yet um, making it ha- make narrative sense. And basically, the, the plot of the movie is the one character, Randall, 
has a heart attack, almost dies, and decides he's going to make a movie about his life working in the convenience store. And um, he was great in it. Obviously, Jane Silent Bob were great in it. One of the highlights of the movie was this character, Elias, who was introduced in the second movie, who goes on his journey. I don't want to, I won't spoil what it is, but it's awesome. <laughs> it was, it was one of the funniest bits of the movie. And, and it's just, there's so many emotions in this movie. And I was, it is clearly the funniest movie of the year. I'd say one of the funniest movies I've seen in a long time. Awesome. Yeah. And it <clears throat> almost came to number one. Almost. But I will say I'm not a fan of the way it ends. Oh, okay. I will say, um, I'm not going to spoil what it is, because it is a pretty big spoiler, the way it ends. And I will say that, for me, the movie, it's kind of something you kind of have to build towards if you're going to do an ending like that. And it felt a little bit kind of just tacked on just to Mm -hmm. do it. I but see. I heard I read some interviews and I listened I watched that part of the commentary to hear kind of what Smith was thinking of and you know I'm not a fan of the way it ended but I kind of get the rationale for it and mm-hmm. I also say by the time the credits roll it, it really felt like the movie kind of just stopped like it didn't feel like it was wrapped up however Towards the end of the credits, you hear Smith kind of give like a voiceover narration that kind of like talks about what happens later, and that makes it feel more tied up. Oh, okay. So, overall, a uh, great movie. My second favorite of the year. I would say not as good as Clerks 2, but I would say up there as one of the best movies he's ever done. It just, it had heart, humor, and it just, it. It just—I don't know how else to say it. Was—it was great. It was one of the best yeah. movies uh, of the year. Awesome. I yeah. It's I love to see a comedy go so high up on a list. I mean, you gotta love it. Yes. Um, I'm really curious about what your number one is. Um, because I mean, this is one of those years. Like, it's not obvious to me. Um, you know, if if things had turned out differently, there might have been an obvious choice. But like, yes, at, at this juncture, I don't have any idea. Yeah, this was a very and, interesting year for putting together yeah. this list. And <clears throat> so we're at one. Yes, number number one. one. This is what we've all been waiting for. The way to wrap up this year of comment section and this year in general in movies. Oh yes, my number one movie. Um. You know, oh, wait, way, wait, like, before we get into that, yeah, Paul wanted us to bring up his number one movie. Oh, really? Um, yes. I'm curious. I, he, I, I don't know what his number one movie is. He loves this so. movie. I don't know if you've had the pleasure of sitting through this movie with him. I've had it twice. And it. I'm not going to lie, it's a rough sit-through, but I hear he's making plans for you next okay. week to sit through his favorite movie. He... Loves this movie so much, and okay. he said, "You better bring it up." Or, yeah, I mean that's the only reason we made it this far is because we're about to bring it up. Yes, it is one of this year's Marvel movies. No, not Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Yeah, that's no, not Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Of course, no. 
I know his favorite movie. Okay. Yes, I think you didn't come close. No, yeah. not Thor Love and Thunder. Of course not. Of course not. His favorite movie of the I year yeah. is the masterpiece Morbius. Morbius, starring yes. Jared Leto. He loves the Morb. That's he right. I, I, I knew lo- that about Paul. Do you know that Like, it's a little bit chilling because he always would say, um, I guess it's a quote in the movie or it's something someone on the internet made up, it's Morbin time. Yeah. Like, it's Morbin time in Power Rangers, but it's yeah, Morbin it's, Mor- it's Morbin time. It's, it's time to go see Morbius. <laughs> that's, that's what he will text you when it's yeah. time to watch it. Like, he, he won't invite you to his house. You have to watch it, like, by yourself on a laptop and just communicate via text. But, oh, that he loves that movie. He And, again, yeah. he loves vampires because he loves the power. And he... Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he just likes the, how they drink blood too. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. Paul and Morbius. It's just he loves that movie so much. Yeah, and um, he's so hyped for the sequel. Yeah, uh, Morbius two, uh, Morbin time again. Back, back, back we're Morbin to the future. Oh, exactly. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I should have known that. So we he, did, Paul. We mentioned it, and you get yeah. to see it with him next week. So he ta- you won't yeah, physically he be in the room with him, but mm. you'll at least get to sit through it with. Yeah, I should have known that because I do get. I would throughout the year I'd get texts that just say "morb?" question <laughs> mark, and um, I would say like, ah, "I'm sorry, I'm busy." And unfortunately, <laughs> it would probably would have been my number one, obviously, but I haven't seen it. I haven't. Uh, and I, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry about that, Paul. Maybe next year. I wish I hadn't seen it, but yet it's there and it's stuck in my mind. Oh, okay. <laughs> I couldn't mention it, you know, in a later list. Otherwise, Paul would get angry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I understand, but I haven't seen it, so uh, I have no negative things to say about it. Um, so the the movie that is my number one movie is not the type of movie that uh, that Paul likes. Um, he saves Rumus heart for Morbius. Yes. Um, it is, however, pretty typical of me, I would say. Um, I look at it and I roll my eyes and like, God, really? I'm looking myself in the mirror and I'm like, really? Yeah. That's your favorite movie? You're like, try that's, better next that, year. That's all your favorite. That's always, I could have predicted that at the beginning of the year, looking at the slate, I would be like, oh yeah, you're, that's going to be your favorite movie. You probably don't even need to see it. That's your favorite movie right there. And like I, I, I'm just like I'm so predictable. Oh, because yes. every year, every year, like clockwork, whatever favorite, whatever my favorite horror movie was of the year is just my favorite movie of the year. <laughs> but yeah, it's my it's my favorite genre, and I usually just resonate with the way stories are told using that genre, medium, whatever. Um, I uh, absolutely loved. And it has to be my number one, the movie Nope. Nope, by Jordan Peele. Yes, we're going back. I He was in my number five at the beginning of this, and now he is my number one. Is uh, he in the movie and, or no? No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope, he is not in the movie. Um, but yeah, he's the director uh, of now three great horror movies. I think he's the Just screenwriter like, too, right? Yeah, I can look that yeah. up. But I think that's the case with all of them that he directed and wrote it. Um, 
like, like we all just gotta step back and, and acknowledge, like, uh, to have three extremely highly oh, yeah, critically acclaimed, it. yeah, to have three extremely highly cri- critically acclaimed movies in this one genre, like he's becoming one of the most prolific horror movie directors of all time because like that's just three is a like it's 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 small but it's also a lot like it's it's made big he's made a big impact with those three yeah it's um uh three impactful horror i mean nope just came out but i like i i I think the consensus is generally the same that like he's it's just a streak um and i would actually place Get Out is like a basically perfect movie for me. It's a ten. Us is very close to perfect, but I would I would place this above Us and below Get Out. But um, yeah, Nope is my favorite movie of the year. It's it's a horror movie, but it 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 wasn't quite as uh you know. There's, and I've seen this in reviews too. There's a Spielberginess to it actually, where there's a lot of fun throughout the runtime and drama and action um very action packed horror movie that um you know involves people trying to you know get something done solve something com- with their mo- with their powers combined their minds com- <laughs> minds together uh it- it's a lot of fun there's a lot of humor in it uh that doesn't feel like uh forced or like it overpowers any of of the rest of it um of the other like scary elements um but it's also just like such an untraditional horror movie and not even what i'd necessarily expect like from it's just like he 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 almost went in a different horror genre direction and did his own version of that, and it was also amazing. Oh, which yes. is that this is more of a sci-fi horror. Um, I guess I'll say, like, I wanted to go into this with no expectations because I felt like there was a lot of, like, potential secrets, twists in this, and there are. And I kind of felt like I saw it quite a while after it came out on streaming um it's on peacock actually i think um so i kind of almost felt like oh i think the idea of it was kind of spoiled for me maybe i i almost felt like a situation where i was like oh i think the trailers showed too much i kind of wish i didn't know that going in because it would be crazy to find that out and still no the actual truth of this movie (laughs) was buried it wasn't shown in the trailers. It wasn't shown in any of the reviews or I, no one spoiled it for me. The actual truth of what this movie is, is way, way more interesting than what I thought it was going to be, which was just like Jordan Peele's take on like a UFO aliens visiting earth movie, horror movie. Um, I thought like, Oh, like it's his take on that. It's probably going to be great. Cause it's his take on that. But I thought I, I, that's kind of just what I was expecting. And it was way, way more than that. And, um, like I don't normally like the alien horror genre is not, I like it, but it's not my favorite. Um, 
I have a lot of other subgenres of horror I would go to before that. And so that was another thing where it was like, yeah, it's not my favorite kind of horror, but um, I'll take it. But Still give it a chance. I guess without, I guess I'll say like it. It was different from that. Like I guess like it basically. I feel like what I got wasn't even necessarily that. Just because what what I got it was it was unexpected in a way. Um, what actually the movie ends up being shifts me away to that into something that actually is one of my favorite subgenres of horror. So my one of my favorite subgenres of horror was basically hidden within this movie that I thought was a different subgenre of horror. And that like realization hitting partway through the movie is um uh what made it so good. And I wish I could explain this without it being spoilers, but I will say that this movie has one of the most breathtakingly horrifying scenes that an undisputably great movie, The Last Jedi. I was I was very <laughs> breath I, I was very take I thought that the speed of light, like ship shooting through another ship and like that splitting and like the movie theater is completely silent for like five, ten full seconds. That was like a breathtaking movie experience, like just visually. This movie had like another moment like that where I was just like in awe of not just the visual because it was an amazing visual, but I was in awe of um, like the shock of like this is happening. Bam. You see the visual and it's like everything coming together into something that isn't communicated with words but is just communicated with a visual. And um, it was, like, breathtaking is a good word because of how enormous the visual was, but horrifying is uh, another word. I would actually liken it to In the Shining, famously, although a little disputed, but famously often considered one of the best movies of all time. There is a very famous scene where it shows an elevator and the elevator opens. Yes. And as it opens, it's completely filled to the brim with blood and the blood just kind of pours out of the elevator and you're just kind of left looking at that. And then it goes to the reaction and then you're left looking at that. That's kind of the, the movie had a lot of like these breathtakingly horrifying scenes like that, where it was just like, Oh my gosh, what am I looking at? (laughs) It was full of that. And I, uh, yeah, I, I wish I could say more, but I certainly wouldn't want anyone listening to have that ruined for no them. No spoilers. So, yes, this is one I will not spoil. <laughs> I will yes. spoil a, a movie that's only in Britain right now uh, <laughs> that isn't even here yet, but I will not spoil this movie. So, <sighs> nope. I uh, really have to say it is my number one favorite movie of the year. Oh, yes. So... I guess I should bring up my number one movie of the year. Do you even have a guess of what it could be? I have no idea. Um, the only thing I was thinking, part of me thinks you didn't see it, but I, I, I know that, like, I have never heard your views on the new Black Panther movie, so I have no idea. I haven't like, seen the it, new Black Panther okay. movie. That was one thing. I was just like, do you? did you secretly see it and you think it's, 
like a, a finally great Marvel movie. Like <laughs> I, I, I had no idea. Um, but no, you haven't seen it. Um, uh, I, th- I don't know. I think it's going to be something unexpected to me that I would never guess unless I'm forgetting something. Okay. So I can't, I simply can't guess. I have no idea. Yeah. So this was not a movie I was expecting to be my number one movie of the year. Okay. But it was. And let me just give a few hints. This movie is about a king. No, not King Charles. Um, not even King Edward. No, think bigger. This movie is about the king. That's right. My oh. number one movie of the year is Elvis, starring okay. Austin Butler and Tom Hanks. Okay. okay. Yes. Uh, directed by Baz Luhrmann, who did a very good job after that crappy Romeo and Juliet movie I'd, we had to watch in high school. Oh, he did that? Okay. Yes. Ooh, I hated that movie so much. <laughs> it was weird. It yeah. Was weird. So, this, and look, I'm not even an Elvis fan. I think Elvis kind of sounds like Johnny Bravo. I just, (laughs) (laughs) but the story of Elvis is actually really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. It, um, you see him go from just this guy who was picked up by this manager, the colonel himself, Tom Parker, who this movie has, Tom Hanks does a great job playing the villain. Uh, the mm-hmm. colonel, and we see how the colonel constantly takes advantage of Elvis, and the he becomes more successful, more successful, and the colonel tries to take over even more, mm-hmm. and then we start to see Elvis's downfall, and just how you know, his life became such a train wreck. The more successful he became, and um. You see how he wants to uh, he wants the colonel out of his life, but the colonel, he's smart. He has backup plans, hmm. and you're just watching it, and you're seeing this dude who had so much get screwed over, and then he screws himself over, and then it's just this total train wreck. But yet the whole time it's fascinating. Now I will say, <clears throat> boy, Boz Lerman, I don't know if he drinks a lot of caffeine or something, but my God. Or has a lot of sugar. Yeah. The camera angles, he is constantly moving and jerking the camera. Wow. So, like, all right, we'll <clears throat> go here. Flip upside down, rotate, zoom out, zoom in, zoom in. It was just <laughs> like, wow. He's, I hope he's looking through the lens this whole time. But <laughs> yeah. that that did take a little bit of getting used to. Yeah. But overall, um, Austin Butler was great as Elvis. Tom Hanks was great as the Colonel. I just, I, I didn't really know that much about Elvis, so a lot of it was just new. I just went because the trailers looked interesting, and yeah, overall, um, a great movie. Um, very neck and neck with Clerks Three, but overall, right. Elvis became my number one movie of the year. <clears throat> Who would have thought that? Yeah, I would have never guessed it. Hey, yeah, I know. I, I, yeah, I knew. I know a moderate amount about Elvis and the, and the history of that, so it wouldn't all be new to me. But um, uh, I, so yeah, it's a very interesting story. I haven't necessarily, I haven't heard much about this movie at all. But I guess I've, heard, like, I haven't. Like, it it kind of felt like maybe it kind of just got 
dropped out there. Uh, yeah, it's not going to be like a Marvel or DC movie where people are just like uh, going. No like it opened fine, it. but it, it kind of just kept going on and on. Yeah, and the the couple I don't know what the consensus is, but the couple I did hear a couple things that were not totally positive. So I was just like, okay, I don't plan on seeing it anyway. But um, <laughs> it's it is such an interesting story of what I know that I could totally see it being really awesome. Yes. So, um, unfortunately, we didn't get the Unsolved Mysteries part of, um, I guess he went to the bathroom and died. I don't know. Yeah. Remember that Unsolved did. Mysteries thing? Oh, of, like, how, I don't know. They did I think there was an episode. Elvis. I don't think it's Unsolved. I think he died of constipation. No, I mean, on, on Unsolved Mysteries, they did a segment of, of him. Well, no, that's what I, they did an episode about how Elvis died. Yeah. And what was the idea, like, we don't really know how he died. Yeah, it was kind of like, uh, was he murdered? Was he paranoid oh. or something? Gotcha. Well, I guess that's kind of what I was saying was like, I don't think it's as disputed as that episode might make you think. I have. Sure. It's on the Best of Unsolved Mysteries DVD. Because yeah. I remember they talked about how there was Elvis's some relative. It couldn't have been his mom because she died before him, but it may have been his dad or someone who someone did an autopsy report on Elvis, mm. and it wasn't going to come out until 2020-something. Wow. And I remember okay. watching that DVD in, like, 2019, but, oh, it's come, it's coming close. Mm. Maybe I should pop it in and see if it actually ever did come out during that that time, if we missed it yet or something. Yeah, I would be curious about that if it's out yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, I guess we don't know for sure until we were to see that, but uh, people... Not, I guess it's not talked about a lot, but I'm, from my understanding, people die of constipation and straining to go a lot, actually. <laughs> so, um, well, there was also a lot of drugs, but yes, yeah, that on, <laughs> yeah, um, basically, maybe that's that, Huck's way he wants to go out. I guess I'll, he de- definitely, but um, <laughs> I guess to re-put what I was saying, I guess what I've heard is that dying on the toilet is one of the most common places to die. Really? The, the root cause might be something else like drugs or having an absolutely insane, awful diet like Elvis apparently did. Like he was eating just like uh, peanut, like just like, I don't know, butter sandwiches and stuff. Like he was just, <laughs> he, it was insane. Um, and like tons of bacon every day. I, I forget, but um that even if i i think what i understand is that straining to go to the bathroom is so hard on your like nervous system and your heart and stuff that a lot of times people die on the toilet for that reason that the root cause might be something else but it's very common for people to die on the toilet oh yes it looks like he froze again well, that's because I was talking about some <laughs> really... Was like you were midway saying toilet, yeah. and that's, I, that's what it froze on. I was talking about some really hard-hitting stuff. Yes. And I, I want to make sure Huck is listening to the very end. Yes. So That's uh, how Huck wants to go up. Hey, that's how wait, I want to go. that last poop out. Who wait. Yeah. Of course, oh I've never God, had Have we ever going. had him on comment section before? I don't know, but that yeah. is, that's a crossover right there. We are like yeah. Marvel and... Just like crossing over, <laughs> yeah, couldn't the help. Barriers it, are down; it's all yep. connected. See, usually it's just us and Paul, but yeah. 
man, I mean, I don't feel like there's much else to say other than that. No, uh, we've completed you... the list. We went on a journey this year. Yes, it's very likely you'll die on the toilet. Anyway, our number, our f- number one favorite movies of this year. Uh, there it was. Yes. Um, uh, you got Elvis. Elvis. You got Nope. Nope. Uh. Great movies, respectively, to us. Oh, which is, yes. Which is what this is all about. Us. Us, that's <laughs> and, right. And the you movies that, we talk Paul? about. It's about us. It's about us. So no, I'm it. sorry. It's about Nope, uh, his oh. other movie. Not us. Yes. Get um, out of here. Yeah. So, with that, if there are any last words, say them now, because I think it's time to wrap up this year of comment section it here is. today. Happy New Year's Eve, guys. That's right. I didn't say New Year's because we're not there yeah. yet. It will come depending on when you listen to this. It could come anytime. I mean, mm-hmm. I hope maybe if you time it right, I'll be able to say five, four, three, two, one. Happy New yeah. Year, guys. 2023. Actually, that's actually, let's do that. Um, Everyone, like, we can all reference. Look at where in the, in the time, <laughs> like the timestamp of this particular yes. moment. Uh, and get and like subtract that from the total so that in some this year or some future year you can time it perfectly oh, to yes. where the episode will end exactly at midnight <laughs> exactly and, and then so that you could instead of having our outro song you could we could have like should old acquaintance be forgot yeah. or something yeah um uh so that that way um Time it so that the the new year will happen exactly when we say whole. Yes. Oh, my God. What a way to start the year. Yeah. So, I mean, I hope that it's working right now. I yes. hope that it's about the end of the year. Um, uh, I don't know if this timing is going to work, but uh, 10, 9, 8, eight. Seven, Seven, six, six. we're going a little fast. Five, four, keep falling down Down that that rabbit hole. hole.